You're listening to Quick and Dirty History, the show about American history on the go. This episode of Quick and Dirty History is brought to you by Irony. Nobody hated banks and paper money more than Andrew Jackson. Yet there he is on the cocaine-stained $20 bill in your pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the shit show that is the presidency of Andrew Jackson. Let's get rolling. Andrew Jackson was the first president whose home state was neither Massachusetts nor Virginia. He had garnered far-reaching support across state and party lines in the young United States. Where John Quincy Adams had been seen as an intellectual elitist who didn't care for the needs of the people, Jackson was perceived as a populist, a man of the people. The resolve against Adams was only strengthened at the end of the fierce and muddy election which Jackson won. Andrew Jackson's wife, Rachel, had borne the brunt of all sorts of yum-yucking shit-talk from Jackson's opponents during the election. The stress of it all was way too much, and on the way to the presidential inauguration, she died. Jackson blamed John Quincy Adams and his opponents. At Rachel's funeral, Jackson stated, May God Almighty forgive her murderers, as I know she forgave them. I never can. Jackson had little to lose and put it all on the line. He had quite an agenda on his mind, but it was his way or the highway. At the presidential inauguration, the previous president was bitter over the election results and refused to attend. The public was invited to the White House, where they got a little out of control and caused damage to the furnishings, earning him the name King Mob. And it was believed the previous administration had been corrupt. One of the first acts as president was to initiate investigations into all executive departments. About 10% of all federal employees were fired and replaced with members of the president's own party. Whew, I know that sounded like a news clip from the year 2020, but that was all Andrew Jackson. Jackson began to replace government bureaucrats with his friends and supporters. He called it cleaning house, but really, it was just the spoil system and favoritism and political payback to those who had helped old Hickory into the White House. He often discussed politics in the White House kitchen with his close friends, not necessarily those in his cabinet. His opponents referred to this as his kitchen cabinet, full of unofficial advisors and confidants. These individuals he held in greater esteem than his actual appointed cabinet, which was eventually disbanded because they all hated each other. A man accustomed to war, Andrew Jackson set his sights on banks and Native Americans. While first created by George Washington and Alexander Hamilton in 1791, Jackson hated the National Bank. After he was elected, Jackson announced that the government would no longer use the second bank of the United States, the country's national bank. Banks were run by rich dudes with ties to industry and manufacturing and were super biased toward northern states. Jackson, the frontiersman and southerner, resented the bank's lack of funding for expansion into the unsettled western territories. Jackson planned to challenge the constitutionality of banks and tear them apart. In what would be known as the Bank War, he used his executive power to remove all federal funds from the bank. The money was all transferred to smaller state banks, and the damage was done. The federal bank was done. Yet Jackson, the hater of all banks, is on a $20 bill today, which is probably the absolute best joke any government employee ever came up with. If you look up irony in the encyclopedia, there's Andrew Jackson on a $20 bill. But what Andrew Jackson is most well known for is one of the darkest chapters in American history. 
Jackson had promised the fair treatment of Native Americans, but delivered nothing less than genocide. American demand for Indian nation's land was always increasing, and momentum grew to force American Indians further west, ripping people from their homes. The first major step to relocate American Indians came when Congress passed and Andrew Jackson signed into law the Indian Removal Act. It's exactly what it sounds like. This American law gave Jackson the right to buy, but really steal tribal lands in exchange for lands set aside for Native Americans west of the Mississippi. Shortly afterwards, the Supreme Court decided Worcester versus Georgia. On appeal to the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John Marshall struck down Georgia's laws and ruled the Cherokees a separate and sovereign nation, which is great and accurate. However, this Supreme Court decision outraged Andrew Jackson and fired up Georgia to seize Cherokee land and force the removal of the people. Jackson said, well, John Marshall has made his decision, but now let him enforce it. Basically, the Supreme Court and what army is going to stop us from taking Native American land? I'm Andrew motherfucking Jackson. I hate laws and banks and especially Native Americans. Jackson declared that removal would incalculably strengthen the southwestern frontier. Clearing Alabama and Mississippi of their Indian populations, he said, would enable those states to advance rapidly in population, wealth, and power. The removal treaties negotiated by Jackson led to the removal of tens of thousands of Eastern Indians to the Indian Territory, which later became Eastern Oklahoma. Beautiful place this time of year. It opened up 25 million acres of land to white settlement. And since the bulk of that land was in the American South, to the expansion of slavery. Perhaps the most well-known treaty, the Treaty of Nuikota, called for the removal of Cherokees living in Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama. When the Cherokee refused to leave their land, their ancestral land, Major General Winfield Scott was ordered to remove them all against their will. 3,000 American troops carried out the order, and during the fall and winter of 1838 to 1839, the army rounded up 16,000 Cherokee and imprisoned them in stockades, where some waited months to begin the 800-mile journey west against their will. Once underway, Native Americans were forced to travel without adequate food or shelter, over country and through bitter winter storms, some having to walk as many as 1,000 miles over a four-month period. Approximately 4,000 of those 16,000 Cherokee died along the way. You've heard of this chapter in American history. It was the Trail of Tears. The Cherokee were just one of five tribes in the Southeast to suffer under Jackson's removal policies. The Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, and Seminole, likely more than 100,000 people in all, were also rounded up and moved to the Indian Territory, each suffering their own version of the Trail of Tears. By the 1840s, nearly all Indian tribes had been driven west, which was exactly the intention of Andrew Jackson and the Indian Removal Act. <laughs>